0: Dr. Tom Siskron, how are you, sir? I'm good. Good to see you again. You too, man. So it's been it's been shoot probably a year and a half or so since we last sit I don't down. I
1: remember how long it's been. It's, it's been, been, been a while. Forever.
0: It's been a while. Yeah. So so uh, honestly, I just wanted to have you back on. There's been all these things that have been happening in my life and other people's lives and see all this stuff and and honestly, I just know you're kind of a connoisseur of um, pushing healthy living habits. Mm-hmm. Aside from being a urologist and you know that being your main focus, but also just I know you're an active guy, and we talked about last time, like you know about all the functional fitness stuff and the health. And so, man, I just want to dive back into all that. Let's do it. So, I mean, what's on your mind lately? I mean, honestly, we're we're facing a lot of stuff every single day. I feel like people get more and more unhealthy as we move forward. And then there's so many healthy ideals that really aren't necessarily actually healthy that people are, are starting to live by and may have been living by for you know the past few years of their lives. I mean,
1: well. Um, personally I'll, I'll just start by saying that i think things evolve i mean my my philosophy is all well, and it evolves with um, with where you are in your personal journey and your your injuries and fitness i mean lately i've been suffering with a little um, neck thing from i think back when i had whiplash in car wrecks and you know snowboarding accidents and i got a big long neck anyway so i've got a an impingement of my c6 nerve that I've got a tingling in my shoulder. And then I'll. about a month ago, I was just having excruciating pain in my neck. Couldn't sleep. I was sitting upright to sleep. And it's getting better, but it's changed how I do things. I mean, I'm having to, you know, I'm not working out as hard. I'm having to scale. I'm not going overhead as much. Right. But I'm still trying to maintain the muscle and finding ways to do that. You know, if you're not going to be pushing overhead, how are you going to keep your shoulders and, and everything strong? Yeah. So I'm modifying how I work out. Trying to stay healthy at the same time, trying to stay fit. My diet has modified I think since I saw you. Um, I I still preach to patients just to eat natural foods. But on a personal level I've almost eliminated even vegetables from my diet. Really? I'm so more, more carnivore. Hey, I
0: love it. I love it. I, yeah. I, I feel way better doing more carnivore. I still enjoy like a fruit for carb supplement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll yeah. eat berries, I'll yeah. eat
1: fruit occasionally, but you know, all these other the more I read and understand what the the real research research says about plants, they're not our friends. They don't want us to eat them. Yeah, you know that. I re, I read this um, article or a, maybe the book or an article. It's called "Plants Want to Kill You." <laughs> you know. Okay. They they are they have developed defense mechanisms. To prevent you from eating them, the only reason that we eat all of the stuff we eat in the grocery store nowadays is because we've bred it, cross-bred it to where the toxins are tolerable. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still so many toxins in there that disrupt our gut, causing autoimmune problems. I mean, even broccoli. One of the things that amazed me is those little those little seed-like things at the on the head of the broccoli. The, you know, they're made up of little bitty round balls. Yeah. There's two different chemicals in, in different of those little round capsules. Individually they're fine, but when mixed, they form a toxin that's toxic to humans, really on a microscopic on a micro level. Um, I don't remember what the toxin does, but I'm sure it's like a gastric or, or GI toxic type system, but it's, it's, it's initiated by mastication, chewing. When those two capsules mix together by an animal chewing them, it creates a third compound that is toxic. Isn't that amazing? That's crazy. It's crazy how plants have right evolved with their environment and the in the stressors placed on them to yeah. evolve um, defenses. And some plants have toxins that are specific to only certain animals because those are the ones that used to eat them. So they developed some animals are the only animals that can eat a certain plant like koalas you find me another animal that can eat a eucalyptus leaf and not die or or suffer severe problems but koalas and those plants have developed a, a synergistic behavior but no other animal on the planet can eat a eucalyptus same thing for for probably um bamboo leaves and and the pandas you know it's so all those plants out there, they're rooted in the ground. They can't run. They can't fight. They can't bite. So they develop chemicals to protect themselves. And the parts of the plants they want you to eat, you know, if they want you to take their fruit, eat it, and run around and poop the seeds out somewhere else, they'll make it appealing for you. That's why I think fruits are, are better. Right. But they don't want you eating their, their, their roots, their leaves, their stems, the parts of the plants that are... Reproducing, so they they have lots of chemicals. Tomatoes used to be poisonous. There's, it's a nice shade The only reason we eat tomatoes is because we've out we've bred out the the toxin. Yeah. So you know, a hundred thousand years ago, if someone ate a tomato, they would have died.
0: Yeah, it's probably. crazy. It's so. crazy because there's still a lot of stuff that you even if you do try to consume now, you have to cook it down, right? Yeah, exactly. Like there's like root, root vegetable, you
1: know, yeah, a carrot, you a potato. You know, eat a potato without cooking it, and it'll give you severe GI distress. Yeah. So I mean, some people can tolerate it based on their thing, but yeah, so the more I've just listened to my body and eliminated the plants, the more happy my gut has become, and I think the happier I've become. i have getting to the point where now I'm pretty much a steak eater, fish, chicken. I try to get organ when I can, liver. Yeah. Um, that's the primary organ, but, you know, force of nature makes a product with its liver and heart mixed in with ground beef. We try to eat that one. And now Hop Dotty just opened last night. Yeah. And they've got Force of Nature on the menu. For I didn't know eat. that.
0: I didn't know that. I knew that they yeah. had purchased out or bought out grub, bought and I've been wanting to try it, but I didn't know they had that. But that's you awesome here.
1: You can get their—it's the Bison Burger, whatever it's called. I—I uh, I forget what it's called, but they've got the Force of Nature um, Ancestral Blend in there. Okay. I believe, so yeah,
0: I want to try that because I. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more and more in. I'll, I'll shift focus and I do a, first off, I, I'm always low carb because anytime I eat any carbs, I'm just, I feel like shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, in, the only thing it's I can tell
1: gassy every
0: single time, even if it's gluten, not way. even like even I've cut gluten first, but then still, it's still, yeah. you know, even when I'm consuming like a, a handful of rice or something, you know, so I, I just prefer to get my carbohydrates if I get any from natural um, sources fruits yeah yeah, fruits and i still eat you know i get my fats mostly from nuts but it's funny how like you talk about anyone will have this argument with you and for the longest time people would preach don't eat a lot of red meat well i'm I'm on the advert of that because like i get most of my fats from beef and i still eat pork you know i'm not eating bacon but i'm eating like a uh i do a lot of barbecues like a cooked down like you know pork shoulder or something like that that has good fats in it and and it's just meat is not bad for you. Right. It's,
1: it's the most ridiculous argument ever. It, now, if you're grilling it and putting this char on it, you know, maybe you're creating carcinogens in the, in yeah. the char. But red meat is not bad for you. you know, animals animals eat other animals all over the planet and have for eons. It's not bad for you. But you, you mentioned nuts. That's one thing I've personally gotten away from. Really? That's interesting. Because yeah, last time we talked. Because of all the toxins in yeah. the almonds and the. And the cashews, you know, cashews are highly poisonous unless you specifically treat them. Um, they're they're not good to eat right off the tree. Right. And a lot of nuts are, are highly processed, and they a lot of nuts contain a lot of oxalate. Yeah which is also an irritant and leads to kidney stone formation. And since I had made kidney stones in my life back when I used to eat like crap and drink Coke every day, <laughs> I, I'm trying to avoid the oxalates and also trying to avoid it for the gut health.
0: Yeah. I remember, I remember you mentioning so, that with, um, especially with almonds and like almond milks. Last time yeah. we met, we were talking about, I believe it was Lipton. Uh, uh, it
1: was uh it Lip,
0: lept, I don't know. It was something that, that was inside of almond milk that you said was bad. I can't remember exactly what that, yeah, what that was, I don't know, right. but, um, Either way, yeah. Like I, I do, Le- like lectins. lectin. Lectin. Lectins is a
1: general term for like gluten, mm. and other irritants made by plants. Got gotcha. you. Okay. So that's there are a lot of lectins in almonds, and and um, you know I used to eat a handful of mixed, deluxe, mixed, salted nuts. Yeah. Every day. I mean, I have for a long time, and I've just kind of gotten away from that now. So. That's
0: interesting because I still do that. <laughs> yeah. But now that you said that, I'm going to get away with that. And honestly, it's it's uh, it's a combination of. Uh, Almonds, uh, pecans, and cashews, um, yeah. which I prefer. Honestly, I prefer pecans. Um, I, I do enjoy I think those.
1: pecans are the – and I looked it up. I looked it up saying, well, God, do all nuts have oxalate? Yeah. And pecans, it's uh, pistachios and pecans are at the bottom of the list. Well, those are
0: the, my pro- – uh, honestly, those are the predominantly and, the ones I prefer. And
1: macadamia anyways. nuts, I think, are the best. Okay, okay. But macadamia nuts – and they're the highest fat, so that's yeah. really the best nut to eat, high fat, low oxalates. But you just can't eat many of them. It's just nah. – there's something about them. I mean, they're – they were good when I used to eat macadamia nut cookies. Right, exactly. But, but, but when you just eat a handful of macadamia nuts, it's just, yeah. it just tastes like something you shouldn't be eating, yeah. which is what the plant wants. It doesn't want you eating its nuts. It yeah. wants its nuts to go into the ground. You know, there was a, a comedian I saw, or I think, or it might have been a uh, a guy who was uh, just an influencer talking about how plants don't want you to eat them, who said, oh, it, it was. It was McAfee. You okay. know, have you seen him? Yeah. Um, he's yeah. a carnivore guy. And yeah. He's the one that... Gave that talk this year at the at one of the conventions called Plants Want to Kill You. Mm-hmm. It's a great YouTube watch if you want. He said, "You ever seen a kid eat br- uh, brussels um, Brussels sprouts? They taste like shit. You yeah. know that the, that taste is that plant's way of telling you spit me out, don't eat me. You know, and kids know this. Yeah. Human uh, adults just." You know, try find ways to convince themselves that it tastes good, but I hate those things. <laughs> and macadamia nuts the same way. I just when you eat them, if you try to eat them like you would a handful of pecans, they just don't taste good. Right. So
0: well, yeah, I've gotten towards like I, I, honestly, I love like I've gotten to where I'm like peppers and meats. Like yeah. I love like a like, like a poblano or something like that. Yeah. But I, I mean. Yeah, man, I, I feel like the best you can do is just try to avoid as much as you can. But, like, it's but still... You know, those
1: peppers are some of the worst things, I know, too. I I don't want you eating them I know, either. That's why, I they, know. that's why
0: they're spicy. That's either. why they're so spicy. Yeah, I know, man. They it's want like,
1: animals to spit them out.
0: Yeah, it's a battle. It's yeah. a battle. Like, I just, I feel like, you know, I just try to, you know, I try to do
1: the best I can, but... I, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah. I... I don't tell everybody. Look, never eat nuts. Never. Right. Yeah. You know, if I'm talking about my patients, I just want them to get off the processed. Crap. That's the hardest thing, right? Because get every- off the processed crap, eat natural foods, and then you can find what works with your body. Yeah. You, you may have problems with oxalates, and I don't, or vice versa. You may tolerate peppers. If I eat a lot of peppers, I get GI upset. Yeah. That's who doesn't. That's mm-hmm. part of what the peppers doing to you. It's saying, "Hey, look, don't eat me again." So. Um, You know, I I avoid lots of peppers, but I like spicy food, so I'm kind of in a...
0: I'm the same way. Like, I can't do certain things. I can do poblano because it's not too spicy. It's just the taste I like. But, like, I just had recently, I had an operation where they had to go in and scope me and stretch my esophagus because Mm. I had the, uh, I'm sure you know what the term is, but basically where your esophagus shrinks over time Uh based on hereditary issues, possibly past tobacco, you know, smokeless tobacco use for years, and then um, constant uh, acid reflux. But I basically, um, they went in and stretched it, a, a piece of meat got stuck in my throat and it was in there for a long period of time. And wow. then the first time this happened previous years back, we got it out, you know, I went to the ER, but by the time they got to me, it finally pushed its way through mm-hmm. over the years. It's happened multiple times. And then here recently, like six or eight months ago, it happened and it never came out. And mm-hmm. so I had to go get emergency scope to get it pushed through. And then we did a follow up and had to go in there and actually stretch, you know, yeah. stretch that out. And then, um. So now it's like, man, I try to, I just, I'm really, really getting more health conscious. Yeah, chew my really food, well, not too. inhale it, because I was, those people, like, I, I guess because we worked at oil and gas for so long, it's like you had a short period of time to eat a lot of food, and you just inhale it, yeah. and now it's like, I, I take my time to, to get the food down, and I'm worried about more about what I'm eating now, and, you know, how it's breaking down in my body. Well, that's the way,
1: I think that's the healthy way to do it. I mean, start by eliminating the processed foods, sugar, yeah. seed oils, I'm big on seed oils now. That's, yeah. I mean, those are... Those are horrible. They're so, killing so you say just us. right, yeah. Like
0: because they use that shit to run motors and stuff on, right? Yeah, like I mean, it's,
1: the original solution that they were originally industrial lubricants, yeah. Until someone said, "Hey, I wonder if you can eat these," and they started processing them and mass producing them during the First World War, I believe, around that time, to replace fats that they were taking and sending off to yeah. the troops. But um, you know, it's start there, eliminate sugar, processed foods, seed oils. And then see what works for your body. If you if you like eating potatoes and broccoli, and it doesn't cause problems, and you're not getting obese by eating too many of them, then more power to you.
0: Yeah, it's something, man. I, I don't
1: I don't stand on any mountain and say it's the only way to to do it. Just everybody needs to find for themselves.
0: Yeah, I think, but you you really can't. Become body aware until you cut out those bad oh, things. Yeah. Like when you cut out the processed stuff, then you kind of it's like you slowly get a feel for your body because when you when you exactly. if you're off those for a while, and you put them back in, you feel like shit. And you're like holy shit, I see what it's doing to me. Right. Yeah. But you have to be off of them long enough to to kind of I guess
1: like reset. It'd be kind of like trying to listen to a really intricate piece of music like Beethoven or Bach at a at a heavy metal concert. Yeah, you know, as long as those. Speakers are blaring. You're not going to hear anything else. Yeah. Um, but once you cut out the noise, you can start to listen and hear what your body's telling you. But the seed oils and the sugar and all the other crap that we're eating uh, in the modern industrial food supply system is is just making so many people into walking zombies. They just don't really know what it feels to feel normal.
0: I agree, and then and that creates like also like your your body yelling at you and creates more. I, I feel like this is connected to you know these anxiety pandemic that everyone Absolutely. has. You know, and the issues with you know just everything internally too. It's got to be mm-hmm. connected, right? You Perfect. know, it's over Absolutely. the years. It's more like you're, you're we're consuming more stuff on a mass level that we shouldn't consume, and then we're in a um, high stress environment. You know, mentally, and then you're putting your body in a high stress environment, and then the combined, you know, and creating our jobs
1: a exactly. lot of times. Or, I see a lot of guys who come in to me and say, I just don't have any energy. I feel like crap. I think I need testosterone. And I start talking to them. They're eating fast food every day. They're working the night shift. They yeah. get like three, four hours of sleep during the day when their kids are coming in from school, waking them up. Yeah. You know, they're drinking. They're not exercising, they're obese. I check their fasting insulin and it'll be off the charts. So they're insulin resistant on the way to diabetes and they want to blame it on low testosterone. Yeah. And I was like, look, let's address all this other stuff first.
0: Yeah, everyone always wants and a quick solution instead quick of you know, go, going to the, the root of it yeah. because it's, it's it's work, right? It's work. The frustrating or
1: ones that. for me are like I told you that my friend uh, um, who I just got through talking to a week or two ago who's doing everything right yeah and his testosterone still low i you know i can't figure those out i don't i don't know what to do about that so you know you hate putting a 30 something year old guy on testosterone the rest of his life but it makes him feel better he's doing everything right i'm going to support him but if some you know guy comes into my office and just wants the quick fix i'm going to be I'm going to push back. Yeah, I mean, if you don't want pushback, don't come to me. <laughs> because yeah, you're not I'm the going guy to writing
0: test. test uh, yeah, I'm not script. just
1: script right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. A, I'm not trying to make money writing testosterone. Yeah, I'm trying to help people. So, if you don't want pushback and you just want a quick script for testosterone, don't come see Doctor Sisker.
0: <laughs> so what? It, so how's that look lately? Because like. um, or I, I let's let's push towards that side of the conversation because like there's so many people out there that that suffer from um low testosterone and and i know we're hitting the nail on the head talking about you know <clears throat> the number one thing with that is probably you know health unhealthy habits right yeah. L- yeah. unhealthy living habits and, but also like you know where where it goes from you know people maybe having difficulties um with energy you know or or maybe you know reproducing or you know how how does all that look
1: what do you mean? Give me a little more specific. Okay, so like, so let's first
0: go into like people running qu- you just hear more and more people on TRT. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that something that they need to be on or people just prescribe this and then once they're prescribed it, they yeah. have they have to be That's, on it.
1: I, I think most, of, I think a large amount of it is, is stuff that we're doing in our society. Yeah. And, and you can, I think they've, pretty well proven that are as a society our testosterone levels are dropping. Yeah. And I think it's due to a lot of things. Like we discussed all the, the, the estrogenic compounds in the plastics, particularly if you cook your food in plastics, it leaches out those estrogenic compounds, water bottles, um, which I apologize about <laughs> lack of sleep, yeah. um, lack of getting sunlight. You know, we're as a society, we're told to stay away from the sun and, And, um, you know, working night shifts and, you know, some people hardly ever see the sun. You check their vitamin D and it's low. I just had my lab checked about three weeks ago or so, and my vitamin D is lower than I want it. I was like, damn, I need to get out in the sun more. It's kind of hard in the winter. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, it's – I think if you eliminate the seed oils from your diet that allow your cells to be healthier, you're going to be at less risk for – for cancers there's some good research on that too and that's so that you don't burn yeah if you eliminate seed oil really? from your diet um, there's a lot of people who are if you look into that that are really showing good evidence that y- your propensity to get sunburned is less when you eliminate seed oils from your diet because our cells are made up of fats and those fats from seed oils, those polyunsaturated fats, are much more sensitive to oxidation and damage from UV light. They're going to break down. There's many more chinks in the armor yeah. of those polyunsaturated molecules that have kinks in them, whereas if you've got a saturated fat, it's it's much more rigid, and it's it's going to hold up better to all stressors, including UV sunlight.
0: Yeah. Well, I think like you see seed oils are hidden in everything. Mm-hmm. And if you really don't read the label, like, oh, I mean, I mean, small. how many things do you, you, you can They, away they make it. like, it's like anything that's in a bag or a box, like yep. sunflower oil, grape seed oil, yep. you know, whatever, whatever, what have you, all the other all ones, all the
1: condiments. Yeah.
0: Everything. Well, I saw you, uh, you made a post the other day on social media and, um, on your Instagram, I believe. And, um, you took a picture because you, you work in you know, the medical field. You took a picture of, you know, a vending machine. Oh
1: yeah. And I don't remember on the pediatric ward.
0: I don't remember what your specific. You can tell me what the specific comment was there, but I just, I was like, this is going to spark a great conversation. What I, I said,
1: and and I was seeing a, 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 I was seeing a four six year old boy up there. Um, and uh, I walked out the door rounded the corner and right there in the middle of the pediatric ward where all the kids come in and out of the rooms and running the parents a huge vending machine full of every bad snack you could want yeah. from the Cheetos and the Doritos down to the to the candies and then right next door was the the vending machine for the Coca-Cola and the Powerade I'm sure it had full sugar in it yeah. and my comment was one day I hope that seeing a picture of this is going to look as strange as if it would seeing a picture of a cigarette machine sitting there. Yeah, that you was know, it. remember when we were kids? When I was a kid, at least, cigarette machines were everywhere. I remember seeing them even up and so. Yeah, you I, go into yeah. you go into the pizza restaurant, mm-hmm. cigarette machine. You go into the arcades, cigarette machine. You go into the movie theater, cigarette machine. Where are they now? Yeah, we figured out cigarettes aren't aren't good for you, people. Yeah. So we got them out of our society, at least the visible uh, pushed sale of them. Yeah. And my dream is one day that looking at one of those vending machines, particularly on the pediatric floor of a hospital, is going to be looked at just as, as amazed uh, that it's even there.
0: Well, it's awesome that we, we you bring that up, and I thought it was a great point too. And it's one of those things where like, it's so interesting to me how so many people in your field of expertise do not highlight health. anything to do with health and yeah. diet. You know, more, yeah. you know, it's just more about a quick solution, a writing prescription, moving well, them it's, on for it's volume. Unfortunately,
1: you know. a, a, a symptom of the of the system we're evolving into. Yeah, you know, you do the math, and it really, it's hard for a physician to keep the lights on and make the living that they want to make. I mean, I didn't go to school till I was 36 to make, you know, 10 bucks an hour. If I want to do that, I can go to target and sweep the floors. Exactly. Make 15 an hour. Yeah, an hour. exactly. <laughs> you know, I want to have, um, it's not the reason I went into medicine. There are people I'm sure that do that. I was going to be an engineer and I went in, I was going into engineering until I got a side job in the hospital and learned to really love helping people. So, I think I went into medicine for the right reasons, but I also enjoy having the higher standard of living that it affords me. And I'm not going to do this job if it, at the end of the day I'm making the equivalent of 20 bucks an hour. I'm going to go find something else that's productive that I can make a better living at doing with my intelligence and my drive. Yeah. Um, having said that, I love helping people, but you know, I can't keep the clinic operating if I see 15, 20 patients a day. If you work an eight hour day and you know, you're there eight hours, you see two patients an hour, that's 16 a day. You see three, that's, you know, 24. How many, when does it become profitable? And, and a lot of these clinics, you know, it's you got to get down to seeing more patients per hour in order to make it profitable and to be able to maintain the standard of living and keep the lights on. It's amazing to me how much I see my bottom line every month at the hospital. And I don't, manage my own it's managed by the hospital i'm an employee but i see the expenses and i was like how on earth does it cost this much to keep this clinic operating it before i get paid a dime yeah right before i get paid a dime i do the the calculations of how many patients i have to see a day and it blows my mind that you know you got you got to see so much just to keep the lights on right When, when you when you take into account the cost of medicines, the cost of staffing, the cost of the rent, the cost of the lights, the cost of um, the OSHA oversight, I mean, all that stuff adds up, and it's so expensive. And the regulations, the same with any business. Mm-hmm. You know, these business owners are getting killed with regulations. Yeah, I mean, everything. And I'm seeing it now because me and Ken Sanders yeah. and Grayson and Bailey are doing the uh, – the venture we're doing with the exotic car storage place. Yeah, I heard about that. That's exciting. It's amazing to me how much it's costing just to get this off the ground. Yeah, man, it depends on... We're redoing the the building to make it look nice, redo the parking lot. We wanted to cut out the curbs so people with nice cars can drive in without scuffing their car. And because we wanted to eliminate that little curb that touches Ellerby Road, they had to get a permit from the Department of Transportation, federal Department of Transportation, which was going to put us on like a three-month waiting list and cost us something like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much it was, but it was okay. We'll leave the curbs. Yeah, you know? one arm's <laughs> cut out. We'll leave the other. Ones. Right. So I mean, there's just so much red tape and regulations. It, it getting. I've never owned a business of my own or really been involved. I've always been in medicine. Yeah. and and seeing all the things that go into doing a business the the taxes we just got our tax bill for the building like you know we're gonna have to come out of we're gonna have to come out of pocket for taxes now you know because we don't have any renters right now and it's just amazing The, the regulation the taxes the the foot of government that's sitting on the u.s population is just keeping us so suppressed it's it kills me how yeah. profitable and how productive we could be if the government would just get the fuck out of our. <laughs> I, hate- I agree. No, I, I I'm becoming more and more of a Bitcoiner. By the way, too, <laughs> I think Bitcoin's going to save the world. And get I mean, fiat money out that's, of our system. That's
0: what it seems. That's it seems to be like yeah. If we ever get that, you know, digital currency, but it's there's yeah, there's so many issues and regulations with um <clears throat> with everything with every type of business, and it's it's been that way since. It keeps getting remember. worse. Yes, it's worse and worse. And it's keeps getting like, worse. The more you do something, the more that process is prolonged. And it's like, but also at the same time, our patients, our actual patients, you know, with each person is also diminishing daily too. Yeah. It's like it's like everything's taking longer for progress, but then internally
1: we're also not willing to deal with that, you know. Um, we're becoming more isolationist yeah. and less community-oriented, right oriented. and social media is driving that a lot, I think, too. Yeah. To, you know,
0: I, it's just... We're not built. I had this conversation with someone the other day, but we're not built to communicate in a mass level. Yeah, we're built to you know formulate our own cultures and live within those cultures.
1: There's a there's a there's a number. Some guys the some guys number. It's a name number. It's like 200 and something people Mm -hmm. is what the human is able to remember and function with. Yeah, small communities. Yeah, I forget the name for it, but it's, it's a factor you know it's kind of like moore's law with computing power got gotcha. it's something law or the something number where human beings are are able to keep up with and be friends with and remember uh, relationships and and live in small groups of about 200 yeah when you start getting beyond that we lose the ability to do it so yeah. we we shut off you know it's no more face to face it's through um, you know i don't care what this person thinks or feels, you know, screw them, yeah, you know, and you just lose the personal connection, and yeah. going global is just making it worse, you know, yeah. we're losing that community oriented thing of our of our parents and grandparents, you know my my mom grew up in T, Alabama, which you know back when she was a kid, probably had i don't know ten thousand people, and that ten thousand people were probably grouped mainly in church groups. Mm-hmm church and school groups and, you know, it was out in the country and, you know, you people shop together in farmers markets and you you knew your neighbors and we've just gotten away from that. And I don't think it's good for the human condition.
0: No, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the writing on the wall, right. And, you know, people want to argue it may be this or that, but I mean, when you put so many people into one system and then try to First off, no two people are ever going to see eye to eye, too no matter what. Competing. There's too many people with too many different ideologies mm-hmm. competing together, and then if that person doesn't like the other person's ideology, then they attack them instead of trying to come to resolution. Right. And when you're doing that at scale, there's no way to, besides just shutting someone off, like what you know it seems to happen all the time. There's no way to regulate it because yes. there's just too many, there's too much clashing of the you know the irons basically. So it, yeah, it's just it's a whole shit show, and I completely agree. And I just try to be aware of that and like at this point it's like at this point in our lives what can we do to control it other than not contribute I guess you know so I try to be aware of that and have more conversations like this and actually really get to know people you know not formulate an opinion based on a one post or a fucking you know clip of
1: something you know and I think it's important to find your community that's what I love about CrossFit I know you feel the same way oh yeah man CrossFit is a community you're in your box and you know everybody you support everybody they're there to support you 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 have your Christmas party with them. I mean, you same thing. Church. You got your church community, your CrossFit community, your work community. Humans need that community spirit, and I try to block out as much as possible all of the international or the national, international, world crap because yeah. we can't solve all that. They're trying to make the United States follow the same rules and and in morals as some country in Africa or Middle East or Asia or wherever It's we're never going to be the same No, and in attempts to make us the same are just forcing us apart more yeah and there's it, so much coming to a head there's
0: so many wedges driven between every single community now and it and it's like it's if you're in your own community you're almost segregated at the same time looked at and hated by others when mm-hmm. we're I feel there's a fine line between you know Completely detaching from everyone and trying to integrate, you know, all these cultures. You have to find some kind of you know yeah. balance there. But um CrossFit, man, yeah, let's talk about CrossFit because I've been I've gotten way more into it what, since last Crossfitters, time. No, <laughs> yeah, yet. we're right. talking about other shit. But also, I've gotten really into it since the last time we sit down and um y'all put on a phenomenal, phenomenal competition. Because I've been to a couple smaller competitions mm-hmm. since, but Wad God's was amazing. Yeah, I think I placed make it right, we, I think I placed like third to last in my entire class, but I'm okay with that. But you had fun. Yeah. I, I was, I was competing higher than I should have been at a level, but I,
1: our, our goal has been not to make money. We've all lost money on it. Yeah. I, I'm still in the red, <laughs> but every dollar we get in goes into making it somehow better next year for the yeah. athlete. Cause we're all athletes and we want athletes to come to why God's and feel like Man, this is pretty awesome. I feel yeah. like a star. You,
0: know? you can see it too. I mean, from yeah. all the way down to the detail. I mean, the details of the, the how every single thing is entirely organized, like phenomenally organized. There's no. There's no. Literally. There you little, saw how stressed I was with Yeah, I mean, of, of course, I man. mean, trying to keep
1: everything But on there's track. no
0: hiccups. There was no hiccups yeah. nowhere. Everyone ran through their courses. Everyone did everything. I never saw a delay anywhere. Yeah. You know, and it's hard at that. And How many competitors they do you They were have? there, but.
1: I, yeah, you knew them, but yeah. oh, we didn't. So yeah. how many competitors were there? Uh, this year, we had a, less than the year before. We had a little bit of dip this year, but I believe it was 200 and something. Okay. Last year, it was 320. Okay. And then this past year, it, it was in the two hundreds, and uh, this year we're scheduled to be, I believe, the last weekend in August. Okay, I uh, will look at the date so I can say it on, on air.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just, I was extremely impressed, and also the the um twenty
1: the weekend of the twenty sixth, twenty sixth and twenty seventh of August, two thousand twenty three, two thousand
0: twenty three. Right. Yeah, I was just, I liked that the variety of the um. The variety of the work, the wads, mm-hmm. but also that every single one of
1: those integrated some type of weight, you know, well, you, balance with. You'd really appreciate how we do that, and and Ken really drives this too. Um, he has this sheet of all the different movements that you can do in a CrossFit workout, basically. Yeah, and of uh, in the different um, categories like gymnastic movements, weight movement, uh, endurance movements, and we literally have a scattergram picture of the wads to make sure it's evenly distributed. Yeah. We don't want it all up in the gymnastics area or all in the heavyweight. We want it evenly distributed and make it a good test of fitness. For some big guy to come in there and kill the weights, but he's gonna he's exactly. gonna get hit on the on the exactly. bars, you know? That's
0: what that's what happened to me. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> it's just my
0: gymnastics aren't there yet, but they've evolved quite a bit since then. At that time I could barely do um I believe it was handstand pushups, man. I just I, I didn't have them down yet, you know, as far as like being able to do a, yeah. a bunch at one time and it just completely ruined my time. And then I also sucked it toes to bar, or chest to bar, or whatever, you know, just because mm-hmm. it's not, not that when people hear that and they hear, well, that's cause you have that argument and you've seen that argument yeah. where it's like the chest to bar is not the same as a pull up. No shit. It's, it's about being efficient because here's the thing. If we're out somewhere, say we're actually in, in war or combat or something and we're, we're endurance pushing ourselves to move and jump over barriers and pull up and jump, you know, get over obstacles, a strict push-up, pull-up's not going to help mm-hmm. you much, you know, mm-hmm. but being able to actually kip. efficiently mm-hmm. kip yeah. and not use as, utilize as much, I mean, use more as much energy and be efficient and know how long you could last, you yeah. know, Instead that is one out. of
1: the most ridiculous arguments. People who hate CrossFit oh, oh, y'all are kipping pull-ups. That's ridiculous. You're no. not getting anything. They're hard as shit. By You can try view. to do it, number one. They're, they're hard. Number <laughs> two, we do strict pull-ups. Yeah, we do those too. It's not like we don't do them. Right. It's just the strict pull-up is your strength movement, and then and you shouldn't try kipping until you can do strict yeah. for at least 10, I think, because there's some shoulder strength issues there, that if you try to kip, it's going to rip your shoulder out. But... You know, you get your base, and then you start learning efficiencies in how your body moves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, animalistic-like movements, that's a, something I've been looking into a lot lately. And you see a lot of jujitsu people into this also. I know you do that, is, you know, how does the body move efficiently yeah. and fluidly? And that's all a kipping pull-up is. It's, it's moving efficiently and fluidly. You're, if you want to look at it as work... The definition of work on a physics basis—it's the same amount of work. You're moving this much mass, this much distance, in this much time gives you power. You know, we're we're exploring the power aspect mm-hmm. of of the body and lifting, rather than just the pure work aspect. Yeah. So you know, we do work. We move 300 pounds two feet, right? But we also do it powerfully, moving like yeah. it fast and efficiently, and being able to do that for an extended period of time is a different skill. I mean, since my neck's been hurt, I haven't been able to do like uh, a lot of overhead weight stuff. And I tried the other day. We had we had a workout. Um, it's twenty burpees, um, twelve. No, it's twenty burpees, twenty one. Alternating overhead dumbbell snatch and then 12 um, thrusters with okay. the dumbbells. Dumbbell thrusters. Yeah. And I, it was supposed for males, RX weight was 50. Okay. I haven't picked up a 50 pound dumbbell in a long time because, you know, just. Right. It's either my elbow or my neck and you know, just tweaks. But. I went to 35s, and I was like, I'll be able to do this with 35. And I blew through that first round in three minutes and 20 seconds. And Jeff Dixon was telling us at the beginning, you know, to finish this workout in the specified time of 14 minutes, you need to be doing each round at about four and a half, 420. Um,
0: right, so you had a good time then. So yeah. I was
1: like, man, I blew that out of the water. Yeah. And then I just hit that hit wall. wall. <laughs> I was like, jeez. <sighs> Yeah, and I started to get down to do the next burpees, and then my neck started hurting, and that was enough excuse to say, like, okay, I can't do this. Yeah, but I'm just out of shape right now because I've been favoring my neck. And, yeah, you know, and people say, yeah, 'Yeah, you're doing CrossFit and hurting yourself.' Well, that's
0: that's the that next thing I was going to bring up. Like, so what's These your? These are
1: all injuries I've had my whole life. Right?
0: Yeah. What's your what's your um, your comment there? Because there's so many people that say, like, well, it's yeah. horrible on your joints. It's not good for your body long term. Yeah. Um, this like sport- running is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: These people who love to run. You yeah. tell me, you show me a group of runners that don't have Achilles tendonitis and right. plantar fasciitis and um you know everything else, what's the one on the front of the shin splints, yeah. knee problem. I mean, knee problem, huge one for those. Triathletes are always complaining of some being an athlete exposes you to injury yeah. and and being a CrossFit athlete is, but you got to be smart about it. And it, you know, what's the worst injury is sitting on your couch, eating crap, getting obese and sick. Exactly. You're going to pay the price either along the way as you're staying fit with athletic injuries or when you're getting your heart cath and your dialysis with medical injuries. Yeah. And you're going to pay the price one way or another. Right. You choose which pill you want to swallow. I'm choosing the be active, deal with aches and pains that are an inevitable part of being a human being. You know, we're fragile organisms. I, I had elbow tendonitis for a long time that I nurtured, and it's now better so I can use it, but now I've got this pain in my neck, which is from a prior injury. Yeah. My hip, I found out my hip arthritis the first year I started CrossFit, so that was obviously already there. That was from triathlon and an injury I think I had when, when I was in a car wreck. Uh, you know, my ACL Repair was from when I played baseball, you know, in, in football in high school. You know, that wasn't CrossFit. Right. But all these things affect my ability to CrossFit now. Exactly. And they all cause me to be smart. And, you know, if my knees are hurting one day from my ACL repair from when I was 21, I don't heavy squat. Exactly. If my neck is hurting me, I don't go overhead. Yeah. You know, but you, you just work your way around it. And
0: and that's, that's important, too, because I think once you become – there's so many people who just... Listen to your body. Yeah, exactly. You become body aware and you learn what yeah. not to do. And that, what I love about the sport is, you know, I was a long time Olympic and more bodybuilding lifter. I never competed in bodybuilding, but I, I was more that style of lifter, um, you know, on top of like MMA. And, and it really didn't work well because you get so bound up and then you're not limber enough to do certain movements. So yeah. my jiu-jitsu was never amazing, but my mm-hmm. stand-up was great because I didn't need to be doing specific movements. It was just more power movements, right? And so then we go to this thing. And so I've been having to basically reshape my entire body. Like, so I, people are like, you look thinner. I'm like, yeah, but I weigh the same. Yeah. My muscle, like the way that I'm moving. Redistributes. Is yeah. I redistributed my weight. My my muscles are functioning better. I'm stronger. I'm str- I'm a stronger squat than I've ever had. A stronger deadlift than I've ever had, you know, St- way stronger cleans and presses than I've ever had. But I'm not just stationarily doing like bench press or something because mm-hmm. I've, I detached my pec tendon. Eight years ago now, and, like, so I, I make sure that I'm not stressing that ever because it's always in the back of my mind, and I've had issues, like, I had, um, I feel like I had tendinitis, like you were saying, um, a few months ago, but I, what I love about CrossFit is that you can, what you, you become so body aware, there's so many different workouts that you can still stay active and progress on other, you know, in other movements while it's also something to get better at. yes, while yeah. also nurturing, you know, an injury, which yep. is awesome. So that's why you always see a CrossFitter, no matter what, they probably have an injury because they're always pushing and themselves, but they can work around it.
1: You also avoid injuries of life, yeah, because your whole body is prepared for life. You know, um, there was something we were doing. The story I always tell is I was helping, um, to helping my brother move a bunch of. Um. Uh, concrete bags. We moved like 80 concrete bags, maybe 100 for my dad one day. And we had to go to Home Depot, load them up, take them to the truck, put them in the truck, drive home, load them from the truck. And the next day or the day after, he was telling me, man, my back's killing me. Is your back sore? And I was like, my back's fine. I, yeah. I don't feel anything. And I think I move, I know, I moved more of those bags than he did, faster than he did because i was. I turned it into a CrossFit workout. Yeah, you know, and I was I was having fun with it, you know, enjoying my functional fitness. But things like that, you know, I, I know what it was. I was I was coming down um, off of a step and I lost lost my footing and I caught myself in that deep one legged squat. <laughs> you know, you're about to fall on your ass, but yeah. you catch yourself. Yeah. And I stood up. I was like, wow, that was close. Kinda like a pistol or something. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. fall into a pistol, but I came out of it like, close. How many people rupture their, their patellar tendons doing that? Yeah. Bill Clinton being one of them. He was coming down the sharks, you know, what's his name's, the 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 uh, golfer. Yeah. Coming down his steps and slipped and ruptured his, his tendon. Um, people do that all the time. When they lose their footing and go to catch themselves, that tendon isn't prepared for that immediate force, and it ruptures. And, you know... Had I not been doing CrossFit, no doubt in my mind I would have ruptured something. But I was able to catch myself. And you know, if if I someone told me the other day, um, in one of my patients they fell, they fell and, and broke their, uh, broke right at the head of the humerus. They had to have well, there's a surgeon in town who fell and had to have that reverse um, socket surgery. Oh shit! Yeah, they they. Yeah. Put the socket on the the humerus and the ball hits weird. Reverse shoulder surgery. Just because he fell and put his arm out. I could fall 10, 10, 15 times here and catch my full body weight on this floor and not break my arm. Yeah. But people who aren't protecting their bodies by keeping their muscle mass and their bones strong, if they fall, they got to worry about fracturing something. So, you know, I'm not worried about falling. I I fall and not worry about it. You know, this is some freak accident thing, but you know, just slipping and falling and rupturing my Achilles tendon or my patellar tendon or fracturing my clavicle—that's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's I'm just, very
1: proud of that as a CrossFitter.
0: It's something that, that's not spoken about enough, and honestly, it's just—it's a different community. Um, I've enjoyed it because it is something that every person in that room, if they are doing the workout with you, they are pushing their body to their limits mm-hmm. and respectively knowing what their limits are. That's the important yeah. thing because I've seen so many people subsequent to injury injury because they don't know what their limits are. And they try
1: to jump in and he man it, try to follow you. Exactly. I mean, someone comes in and tries to press what you're pressing. They're going to hurt. Them. I'd hurt myself. Right. Well,
0: I mean, so. and the, it, but it, and you see that in injury in a regular gym too, where someone yeah, will try yeah. to jump in and then they're out mm-hmm. for two or three weeks because they tweaked something or broke something or tore something. And it's, it's, that's always going to be there, but I do I do just respect that everyone's in there killing themselves and they're battling with their own demons mm-hmm. and they're you know push at the mental the mental uh, warfare of it on top of the body, you know th- the detriment to the body in a good way like pushing it to to because people don't do that anymore yeah. right unless you're just an athlete and even an athlete you know there's still that's all they do there's but no like
1: physical stressors anymore right like I was watching something on Instagram just one of those funny scrolling and there was two obviously obese guys who were getting ready to get in a foot race Mm -hmm. it was at work and there were guys standing around videoing and they got in the foot race and they take off and one guy lost his momentum and face planted because he's too front heavy and the other guy comes up holding his hamstring yeah i was like i saw that coming from the very (laughs) beginning their bodies were not ready to sprint in a race but you know you and me could go outside right here and probably sprint right now and we'd be fine yeah because we're used to work yeah and that's what that's what the beauty of, of constantly varied movement at high intensity of CrossFit.
0: I love it, man. I, I'm just I'm ate up with the bug and it's so funny because I was involved with it, you know, when it first kinda hit the hit the scene and we were doing a lot of MMA stuff and there was a CrossFit gym next door, so we'd we'd go work out there and do some of the workouts, but I really wasn't into it as much because I was doing too many different things, mm-hmm. so I wasn't really focused. But now that I'm hyper focused on that, you
1: didn't understand it as much. Right.
0: It's taking the it's taken the um that's pretty much all I do these days, competitive wise. So that kind of has taken the reins. But it's just something that um, I encourage everyone to try, you know. Um, but not to go out there and, you know, the great thing about it is everyone can do the workouts. You just scale the weight, you my know. Mom, my scale mom, the movements. My
1: seventy-eight year old mom is doing. She's oldest in our gym. That's she amazing. does workouts.
0: That's amazing.
1: So man. she'll tell me, "Oh, I did really well in the workout. What was your score?" And she's like comparing scores that's, with me, saying, "Oh, amazing. I did this many reps. How I many did you do?" You know, if it's deadlift, I'm doing hundred. 85 for reps like last night i did 185 for reps she might do 45 for reps right Who knows you she's know. still doing it but she's scaling it for yeah. her body yeah. and her friends if they fall and they're going to break their hips if my mom falls she's going to stand back up and keep walking yeah you know and i think that's the beauty of it no matter what your age yeah and uh, it's it's just so life preserving i think I agree. I think it's awesome. Getting in the lifeboat.
0: Yeah. What do you, what you mentioned? You're on the uh, pediatric level. Of, what, what are you doing? You're seeing, you have pediatric pa- patients yeah, for it urology?
1: Was a, it was a child with, uh, uh, I was on call. Okay. And it was a child with an infection. Okay. Um, so
0: that, yeah, this raised yeah. alarm to me. I was like, okay, I mean, how, how often do you see? Let's talk about this
1: because this is something that's extremely. Usually, important. with a pediatric patient, it's like for a child, it's a torsion. One call when your testicle twists on its blood supply. Okay. And it's kind of an emergency. It's one of the urologic emergencies. You have to do surgery to untwist it. Whoa! How does that happen? Um, it you know when your testicle forms in utero in in utero inside your body uh, while you're in utero, it's. Right before birth or right after birth, it actually drops out of the abdomen. Okay. The testicles form analogous to the ovaries, and the blood supply comes from the kidneys, up near the kidneys, from the um, the renal artery or the IVC. And so your blood supply down to your testicles is very long, and it's just like it's hanging on a, on a stalk. And there's a specific deformity that they say makes it more likely to happen, but basically the testicle can just twist inside the scrotum. Damn. Okay.
0: So this is just early development issues then.
1: It usually happens uh, very early on or around puberty. Okay. uh, Are the most common times for it to occur. And, um, you know, it may be due to, a lot of times they'll relate it to an injury, you know, a football accident or it may be related to self-exploration. Yeah. Kid twists his testicle. Doesn't want to tell his mom, "Hey, I was playing and just twisting it, yeah. and now it hurts." You know, so that may be children when they go through puberty become more aware down there, um, boys. Anyway, um, so that may be related, but it, it's it's usually around puberty. And about two weeks ago, I had to go in at three a.m. for a twelve-year-old boy who had torsion. Okay, and uh, untwist it.
0: So when they know, is that something just? Ex- experience sharp, sharp. It becomes very painful. Yeah. Yeah. Very
1: painful. And they usually speak up and say, Hey, something's going on. We
0: need to, yeah. yeah. And they go to
1: the ER and, uh, and get an ultrasound. It shows no blood flow to the testicle because it's so twisted and swollen at that point that there's just no flow to it. So you got about six to eight hours to untwist it
0: or it's, or it's it's permanent issues. Damn. That's insane, man. That's insane. Mm -hmm. What about, um, uh, kidney stones? I know that's something that so many people experience yeah, and we it younger and, younger and due to horrible horrible it's diets diet. not enough water consumption like dude, what are your oxalate, thoughts on that
1: high oxalate number one uh, nuts chocolates um dark leafy green spinach things like that strawberries they say have a lot of oxalate um but it's all plant foods there's no excess oxalates in meat yeah you know but um Oxalate in the diet, which a lot of times we get it in processed foods, um, I believe sugar is a major contributor because of the metabolite uric acid that is downstream of of fructose metabolism. Uric acid is produced, which not only raises your blood pressure through inhibition of nitric oxide synthase, it also gets excreted in urine and forms a nitis for kidney stone that then calcium and oxalate can bind on to... Uh, excess calcium in the diet is a risk factor excess salt which is really big in our diet can be a risk factor if you're metabolically unhealthy i think being metabolically healthy i can eat all the salt i want my have noticed pee it out
0: i've noticed that too you know ever i since, actually love eating extra salt well since i've gotten and you need to when healthier you're, yeah. i'm the same way like i yeah. used to be low sodium everything because i was scared of how uh, bloated me and i knew it was bad for you yeah. if you're in the but I was also drinking every single day. Even though I was eating healthy and working out, I wasn't at my pinnacle.
1: you yeah. know. Of- if, if you're healthy, if you're metabolically healthy, your kidneys do the job. They they get rid of the extra salt. The problem is when you get rid of extra salt in your urine, a lot of times calcium gets drug along because there's a, a calcium-sodium channel that shares passage of those two. Um, materials So excess salt can bring excess calcium into the urine. Gotcha. Um, and then that calcium finds the oxalate that you ate with your nuts and connects together. Yeah. And forms the first little crystal. And once that first little crystal forms and it attaches right under the mucosa inside the kidney, um, it just, next time you do it, it grows and it grows and it grows. And it can be over a period of many days, months, weeks, whatever, years those stones grow, but it's, it's a diet thing. Yeah. I think stones have been with us forever, but I think uh, if people ate healthier diets, my job would get a lot less necessary in terms of stones and everything else.
0: I've never had them, but I'd had, um, at one time back and we might have talked about this years ago whenever we were last time we met. Um, but I had had back pain and I went to visit an orthopedic doctor thinking it was a muscle issue mm, or something yeah, something yeah like and then it ended up being you know ketosis basically uh-huh. early stages of it um uh, because i was consuming so much proteins and not enough um liquid and you know yeah as far as not enough water and um yeah but i just think it is interesting that something that you deal with i'm sure on a daily basis and people just like it's always interesting to me people complain about having it but they're the people who most of the time are unhealthy i know sometimes they say it's hereditary i don't know what your thoughts are on that but
1: Anything's hereditary. Okay, got you. And the way I say about that, and I I have to push back on this with diabetes every time I talk to somebody. Oh, well, it runs in my family. They're, I hate what, when And people what they're say saying that. when they say that is, oh, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. I say, well, you know what? Alcoholism runs in my family. I, I can list five or six people in my extended family that are alcoholics right now, two of whom are dead because of it probably um, from liver failure and other causes. but I'm never going to be an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and I can say that with pretty damn certainty. And why is that? I always ask them, why do you think I can say that? Because I don't drink. Yeah. I rarely drink alcohol. I mean, I'm going to say I never do, Right. but I do not drink alcohol to the point where I'm going to be an alcoholic, ever. And diabetes is in my family as well. My grandmother had diabetes, but I think both of my grandmothers had diabetes. Um, and I believe at least two of my aunts have diabetes. So um, diabetes runs in everybody's family, but you do not have to be a diabetic if you don't express your propensity for diabetes. Now, one family is going to have a different propensity for diabetes than the other. Just like your fasting insulin when you're eating a really good diet it's going to be different than my fasting insulin. Our pancreas will respond differently <coughs> to, to, to bad diets. Yeah. Everything's hereditary, but it doesn't mean you have to express your, your, um, it doesn't, you don't
0: have to pour gas in the fire. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so if you eat a healthy diet and avoid all the processed food, I guarantee you, you're not going to be a diabetic. And if you eat a good, uh, diet, I can almost guarantee you, are not going to have kidney stones. Yeah. You know, I had kidney stone when I was, uh, 33, my first one, I was a third, I think I was third year. Um, resident in urology. I knew exactly what it was when it hit me. But at that time I woke up in the morning and went to work and got a 16 ounce Coke for breakfast with my breakfast, which at the time included grits and toast and jelly Man. and waffles and syrup or pancakes and a bagel with cream cheese. I mean, Damn. I was a carb loader because yeah. I was a triathlete. I thought you had to eat that way to have energy. Yeah. Um, So I had a horrible processed carbohydrate diet, but it also was very high in Coca-Cola and oxalates. (laughs) So I'd drink a Coke for breakfast. I'd get a Coke about mid-morning, top it off. get a Coke with lunch. I'd I'd get a Coke when I got home in the can. And when I was in the Air Force driving to work in the morning, I would fill up my 64-ounce Coke, sip on it throughout the day, and then fill it up on the way home. I drink 128 ounces of Coke a day. So all those years through my twenties and early thirties, I was forming kidney stones and I still have a few teeny tiny ones in my kidneys, but they haven't grown in 20 years now because I'm smarter with my diet.
0: Yeah. That's something that people just don't think about. Yeah. I, I really, everything think,
1: comes down to diet. I, and I know, doesn't
0: it? And no one wants to admit it. Yeah. Like no one wants to admit it. And they, or they, or it's what, what's so fascinating to me is we have all the answers. Yeah. But we don't do anything about mm-hmm. it but then when there are things that we don't have the answers to people put more exploration and energy into and it fascinates me because you know you're dying you know you're dying every single day and you're expediting that process yeah. but you're not like you're it's like you well, don't want to admit it to yourself
1: look at what we've just been through the last three years I just saw a post also that says it was there's it's it's going through the the round you know like the same overlay of of the voiceover and different people are posting it, but there'll be people working out and it'll say, just think of all the lives we could have saved. had we been putting as much energy into telling people that COVID-19 doesn't kill you if you're metabolically healthy? Yeah, exactly. If you eat right and exercise, you don't have to worry you're about it. You're not COVID. a candidate for dying. You're not a candidate disease. for death. We're not saying you're not going to get it. Yeah. But we're saying you're not going to die. Instead, they're telling people, Oh Put your mask on. Stay indoors. You know, do this, do that. Get vaccinated, which is just it annoys me to no end. That our our Louisiana Department of Health just recommended vaccines to six month olds. I didn't know these clearly. vaccines are causing so many cardiovascular problems. And, well, let's let's and let's, other let's say
0: this. You're not just just to be clear. So there aren't any questions here. You're not saying you're against vaccinations as a whole. You're saying you're against this vaccination. This one, I believe, is
1: causing a lot of harm, more than it's causing benefit for a six-month-old baby for sure. And there are other countries around the world that are starting to to ban the vaccine for anyone under 50, I believe. And there was just a, a hearing in the Senate, Senator Ron Johnson, last week, if you can look it up. It's on Rumble. They don't have it on YouTube, of course. <laughs> um, but go to Rumble and look up Senator Ron Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine update uh, hearing and listen to all of these world-renowned scientists who have been just lambasted over the last two years because they're saying real data. Mm-hmm. The number of the percentages of heart problems, percentage of, unnecessary, of uh, excess deaths uh, in the military the medical system that they track injury and and illness is just skyrocketed over since 2020 since the vaccine. There's so much evidence that there's something going on that our government is not coming clean about. They just keep pushing this vaccine, and we need we need more open and honest debate about it. And we need all of that data, a lot of which was in that hearing, to come out into public so people can start shedding the light on it and deciding if they want that vaccine or not. Yeah. I personally am not taking it. Yeah. Uh, and I all day long, will tell people if you eat right and exercise, you don't need the COVID-19 vaccine. It's not protecting anybody else around you. It's been clearly proven not to stop by this point. Most of the people who are in the hospital and dying are vaccinated at this point. So, um, and there's evidence that they're actually getting it at a higher rate mm-hmm. because it's hurting your immune system possibly. So, I mean, I'm not saying I know all the answers, but I'm saying there's enough evidence out there that it's doing some fishy stuff that we need to look at it a lot closer before we start mass recommending it more
0: yeah i mean yeah it's it's something it. It. it's something that's been interesting and, and it's 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 like things that were said are now being recanted yeah. right, and that's yeah. that's happening on a weekly. Or, you know, monthly basis yeah. at least. But it, that's not going to be broadcast yeah. as much because no one wants to admit they're well, wrong about that. there's
1: reels on, on Instagram where they've got all the compilation. Get the vaccine and you will not get COVID. Get yeah. the vaccine and you cannot transmit it. And they're <laughs> no. uh, not saying that anymore because yeah. people are getting COVID with the vaccine, having been boosted three or four times, and they're transmitting it. They've got higher viral load in their secretions, so
0: it's a shit show, man. It's a shit show built around it. But I think that um, I I just think I'm glad that you're you know someone who likes to push you know onto your patients and into the to the mass, like to to just you practice what you preach, of course. Mm -hmm. So then you can be an expert because there's a lot of there's also a lot of physicians that are out there telling people that they should have better lifestyle but they're not living yeah. a good lifestyle you That's know true. so to be they're someone human too yeah I mean, to be someone to recommend something i feel like you need to also be if you're doing it yourself then you're i mean why not mm-hmm. listen to someone who knows what they're talking about you know you
1: know jordan peterson
0: yeah have you read his book no i'm not first one no i'm
1: not or listen to it read i'm it, a whatever. listen guy for it's sure but yeah. excellent one yeah. it's excellent he has a chapter in there about how we treat our dogs better than we treat ourselves and people will spend ungodly amounts of money making sure their dogs have the right pills and the this that and the other and they'll make sure they take them but their doctor gives them their blood pressure pill and say ah uh-huh. it'll sit on the counter and he goes into the whole explanation of why that is self-loathing mm-hmm. the human condition you know what am i worth saving type thing he goes into all that but you it's true we don't take care of ourselves you got to love yourself to take care of yourself and a lot of people out there don't love themselves yeah enough to do that i agree it's, it's sad but it's true in modern society what are than. your thoughts on
0: sucralose
1: uh, I, I have a problem with it the same way i, you do. I know i, I know monster i know today. everything
0: it's in it's here's my thing it's like there's no healthy option that like, yeah. if they take sugar out, they replace it with sucralose. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, shit, man. I don't, I, think, know, I don't know if it's good or not.
1: I think there is plenty of evidence to support that sucralose does a couple things. Number one, it disrupts your normal GI flora, your gut flora. Um, and number two, it can mess with your insulin sensitivity, um, making you insulin resistant. Everybody's going to be different. I to this point in my life have not had enough GI issues having eliminated all the other stuff that used to cause them with my monster every morning yeah to make me want to say my gut flora needs to be protected I gotta stop that now if I were having gas and bloating and pain every morning after I drank my monster I would put two and two together and stop it um, I had my fasting insulin checked three weeks ago it was 1.7.
0: What's the normal levels for 5
1: that? to 25 is the stated normal. So 1.7 is like – means my pancreas pretty much shuts down when I don't eat. Okay. If gotcha. I don't eat for eight hours, my pancreas is dead to the world. Got you. Got you. You know, I am not insulin resistant. I, I can – a little bit of insulin goes a long way in my body. So, um, you know, that hasn't driven me to stop my monster habit either. Right. It's just – and, and I'll admit, it's a habit. It's, mm-hmm. it's my one little vice I like. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I don't do marijuana. I don't do THC. I don't do all of that. But I like my monster in the morning, damn yeah. it. So We all have
0: a We all, have we all got I, something. Yeah, I mean, I, I drink. Um, I enjoy, if I'm getting any caffeine, and I'm not, a, I'm so, it's very interesting. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but since I have, Gotten more cleaner and cleaner, even since I met you. I'm hypersensitive to caffeine now, yeah. where I used to not, because I think I was pushing my body too hard every single day, uh-huh. that I was relying upon it, so I was using it to fuel me past my, you know, um, mm-hmm. way past my strain point, and also this thing right here. I've been I've been wearing the whoop strap. I only probably wasn't even wearing it when you when I met I you last. You were, but yeah. I have. Become on point with my recovery, my strain, what I should be doing. I know I still enjoy my tequila from time to time, probably more than I should, but I, it's okay. It's not a it's not a daily habit. Yeah. Um, I can see my recovery the next morning, and don't even tell this thing I'm wearing. I don't tell this thing anything. I'm not inputting any data. But I wake up the next morning with the same amount of hours of sleep and the same strain and I you had, can see. and I can see the recovery has dropped down twenty to thirty percent because I put that in my body and um now i don't feel any different but my body do, my body's mm-hmm. doing something different right and I, I i've noticed that with caffeine too whereas i don't re- require as much or does it this one can will last me all day long like whereas used to i can knock two of those things out a day which is insane to even think about
1: you know what the worst part about it for me is, is i used to drink them later in the day yeah i quit doing that because it makes me get up not yeah had to pee yep nod, <laughs> caffeine Never in my whole life has bothered me. I could drink a Monster right before going to bed, sleep like a baby. But, you know, now with my neck issue, disrupting my sleep to some degree, um, I'm trying not to do caffeine in the afternoons. Yeah. And because I don't like getting up to pee, and if I drink caffeine, even tea. Oh, you're going to get up, at 3 a.m., I'm going to get up and pee. It's it's inevitable. (laughs) My bladder at 53 is not... As happy at 3 a.m. as it was at 23. Well,
0: you can you can probably answer this question because I always heard and I've never looked at any science behind this, but I just as I've gotten older, I always listened and paid attention. Like that, you're not supposed to hold your pee, right? It's not good for your bladder to do it. Yeah, I mean to some degree. I mean, well, I try not to, man. So if I don't, yeah. if I'm in a position to use it, I'm not going to hold it. Um, but you know, when you're younger, and even I've been guilty of just telling the kids that. But you have kids, you you'll tell them, oh, you'll be right, hold it. Well, that may necessarily not be a good thing. Yeah. I don't know, you know, but I always was wondering about well, that.
1: Well, the, the reason it's not good to hold it too long, I think, one of the reasons is because it's a muscle, right? And any muscle is stronger when it's partially contracted. You put 100 pounds in your hand here, you're going to be able to move it more effectively than here. Gotcha. Because the elongation of the muscle, those myofibril connections aren't as strong. So as your bladder distends, those attachments get stretched. And if you get it too stretched, you're going to get way out there on the tips and you're not going to have a very effective contraction. So you're going to get to the point where you're not emptying your bladder well, particularly as a man, as we age, our prostates get larger um, and more obstructive. You You don't want a weak bladder against an obstructive prostate. So keeping your bladder empty more is going to keep that muscular contraction more effective as you age. And is that you know, something
0: too, we haven't even brought up a, a prostate cancer. Is that something you're seeing more and more of, or is it just, I know?
1: don't know that I'm seeing more of it, but it's definitely prevalent. I mean, yeah. They say studies show that if you live long enough as a man, you get prostate cancer. You just autopsy studies in 90 year old men shows about 80% of them, I think have really? prostate cancer. So of course not all of them die of it. And most men don't one in eight get diagnosed, I think in their lifetime. But, um, it's definitely there, and I think it is also diet and nutrition related. That was my next question. You know, what do you
0: think is driving that? That, that to you know to ex- expedite that process? I guess yeah.
1: Chronic inflammation, I think, drives a lot of cancers, but it's a metabolic disease. I'm fully convinced, and it, your metabolic health matters. And if you're diabetic, which the diabetes incidence is going through the roof now, you're going to have your immune system not as as good. Your bladder's not going to empty as well because of neurologic damage to your bladder. So you're going to retain urine. Your prostate is going to get more inflamed. Um, Chronic inflammation sets into the prostate, and cancer eventually develops. So I think all of the metabolic disease and the chronic disease in general in society is driving, driving a lot of cancers, whether it be breast cancer or... GI cancer or prostate cancer i think a lot of that has to do with our lifestyles
0: yeah well it's just like so it's the the big question is where do you draw the line right we're, we're such a huge capacity you know as far as population we have to mass produce things mm-hmm. so it's like what corners do we cut you know we can't take it back a hundred if we had the knowledge we had now we'd go back a hundred years we would be way more effective right but we can't do that so it's like where do you draw the line mm-hmm. you know
1: it's so hard the cat's already out of the bag yeah in a lot of things. Yeah. We're never, I don't think we're ever going to get rid of seed oils. I mean, it's just too. They're everywhere. It's too ingrained in our society and too profitable. Yeah. And now with the, what is it, the ESG movement, the the climate alarmists wanting to get rid of cows, you know, as if the cows are the problem. My, yeah. My, I, They're trying to push us more into agricultural thing. Uh, food sources which is what's destroying the planet
0: yeah we're disrupting the natural ecosystem yeah you
1: you walk into and if you go to the force of nature website they have some videos on this you go into a farmer's field that's plowed and stand on it in the in the sun and feel the heat coming off of it and then you go to a pasture full of cows and look at all the carbon that's in that ground that the cows have sequestered cows are carbon sequestering machines that's what they do they eat grass and um, and poop it out into the ground and develop topsoil. That's what topsoil is. It's carbon. And you know, our ag- agrarian society, we've released all the carbon out of the ground into the atmosphere. And there's some studies that show we have a limited number of cycles left on the harvest in our in most of our farmland before there's no. No good soil left. I believe that. I mean, I think that at some point you're going to getting blown off to the winds, and and you know we're releasing the carbon back into the atmosphere through our farming practices, not through raising cows and eating meat. I mean that's That's something. I mean we have like it's something that I just do. I
0: cannot get on board with the vegan thing or the vegetarian. I just can't get on board with it. I can you know. You have to have meat. I don't give a shit. I will never. I will never like not argue that. You
1: don't have to have it. You can live without it. Yeah, you can live without it. But But it's not the optimal. You're not not going to be your optimum. um, You know, performance state. Any vegan who wants to argue with me, I will. I will eat my words. If we go camping for a month in Northwest Louisiana, you pick the location. Neither of us take any food. Into the, into the wilderness. <laughs> that's another thing. And it's, let's see how yeah. long your vegan survives. It's a environmental thing, right? So
0: there's always something around that's um, walking, moving, or consuming that you can eat mm-hmm. no matter what environment you're in. Whereas if you're in a, you a certain environment, events. you can't just eat something in the wild. So t- then you're telling me... So we've developed – yeah, we're like, well, we're at a point in society now where we, we have the ability to, to move that to us, right, to ship that to us or whatever.
1: You can't carry your Brookshire's produce section into the woods with you. Exactly. That's that's the stipulation.
0: Exactly. That's and right. it's – it's it's we. you cannot get that. Like, it doesn't matter where I'm at on the planet. Even if I'm in the Arctic, I can find an animal co- to consume. Exactly. But you cannot do that and with And those plants. are
1: some of the healthiest people on the planet, the Arctic uh, oh, yeah, Inuits. Those, yeah. They eat nothing but whale blubber and, and fish and yeah. fish oil. Yeah. And that was one of the original pioneers of the carnivore diet. Sir, what was his name? It was in the early 1900s. He got stranded in the Arctic and had to live with the Indians for uh, the winter and ended up staying there for a year or two and was writing in his journal how amazed he was that they never ate bread they never ate vegetables they didn't even know what they were they just ate animals and fish and drank oil and they're the healthiest people ever and he came back to new york and they admitted themselves to a hospital um for a period of months and had this well-conducted scientific study on them eating nothing but meat and they their health markers for the time were perfect, but this has all been lost in, in history because yeah. seed oils came into and then agricultural, and it's just this industrial complex, Monsanto and all of that suppress it. And now the Save the Planet crew is onto this animal meat's bad for you, and they're trying to make us eat fake meat, which thankfully is tanking. You're saying yeah, yeah. Beyond Meat is like losing its it's shirt yeah so that's that's good
0: but. yeah i think it's something that's an issue and i, I mean the thing is is like it, it there's good and bad things to mass communication the good thing is is that we are finding out information and mm-hmm. we're able to share it with each other like we're doing here who knows going to listen to watch this and, and talk about those things and whether you agree or not you're at least getting the information yeah. and then you can divulge it like to, right whereas before you were just told something and if you were never outside of your box that's all you ever knew yeah. so it's like almost like ignorance is' bliss but also you know at the same time it's not it could you know disrupt your entire life because you don't know you know it's like you you're not worried about it because you don't know about it at the same time it could shorten lifespan 20 or 30 years because you never knew anything otherwise
1: yeah I wish I could go back and take all the seed oils that I ate in my life
0: I wish I could go back and took all the alcohol because <laughs> <laughs> that and yeah a lot of that man I haven't I, had
1: that problem yeah you know, I had some definite discretions diet-wise. I've always been pretty active, but I just had a crappy diet for the first half of my life.
0: Oh, I did up until I was probably, honestly, up until I was probably 18 or 19, I did. And then, you know, I kind of started turning it around slowly in my early 20s. And then I'm still, I mean, I'm still working on it, but I will tell you just in the past three or four or five years, I mean, I, it's been amazing what I've, you know, figured out about myself.
1: I have to throttle myself back with my sons because you know we want to yeah help the ones yeah. we love and you know I, they always hear me preaching and i send them things on social media and all but you know you, you got to live but you, i also want them to understand how unhealthy all the crap out there is and uh, it's a balance that's
0: how we are with the kids man I, i've just i've taken i've taken gluten pretty much out of the it's not, I don't care if they have it at their grandparents or whatever, but it's not in the house. Yeah. You know, it's not in the house. Dairy's not in the house, it's, aside from using the occasional, occasional cheese, you know, on something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not there. Um, you know, I'm just big on the meats, and we still do some green vegetables, especially for them. I think it's better than consuming a bunch of bread, anyways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, but yeah, I think it's my wife gives me shit she's like, you, you're healthy, but sometimes I, I think you have an eating disorder because you worry too much. Because I still count my macros. Only because now I'm just hyper focused on getting enough protein, you know, and also not getting too many carbs. Because you, if you don't watch it, you could, you'll take fucking 200 carbs in and not even know it. Mm. You really will. I mean, especially if you consume something other than, you know, a, a soft drink or anything, you know, all kind of juices, anything like that, processed stuff. So that's what I try to really watch that and like I keep my fats. Right now, I'm at a. Um, this is what I'm at, and I don't suggest this for anyone, but I like. I stay if I'm if I'm on a training day if I'm I'm training that day pretty hard I'll get about 250 grams of protein I'll consume about 125 to 150 grams of carbs and then anywhere from 80 to 100 grams of fat and then alongside that diet your sugars really aren't that high you know if you look at your and macros your carbs are not processed
1: carbs no they're, they're not sugars, so that's they're,
0: they're typically you know they're carbs from you know yeah. fruit you know or if I may have some potatoes or something rice like that your rice something. yeah um, and then on non-training days I take the carbs down to 60 to 75 and my protein a little bit lower to And you're like aware of the
1: trick that doing those carbs post-workout are a little bit healthier for you than pre? Yeah, yeah. Because um, there's an
0: argument there. Some people say otherwise. You're but a little
1: bit more able to uptake those carbs into your cells and use it for what you want to use it for. Um, you don't need the insulin as much so you're more insulin-sensitive post-workout.
0: That's what they say. Yeah, you want to you want to take those in right then because, yeah, I mean, that's... But
1: there. I know there are people who say you got to preload, but... I, I don't believe in that.
0: I I used to do do both, you know, and like, I don't now, I don't preload. Honestly, I just, it depends on the day. Um, But I definitely know I'm taking in more carbs that day anyways, Mm -hmm. and I'm taking more protein too.
1: I guarantee you, if I were sitting in front of a carb athlete and we both had to get up and get on a bike and ride for five minutes, I would have just as much blood sugar in my blood Mm -hmm. and just as much glycogen in my muscles for the first five minutes of exercise. Um, you know, the difference is going to be as a more fat metabolizer, that gray period um, where I run out of glycogen, and that takes a pretty good amount of calories. I think it's like 2,500 calories yeah, that's of a glycogen. Lot. And that's a lot. So that's not five minutes, it's no, not 10 minutes. No. But there's going to be some point in there where there's a transition where the carb athlete, if they're sitting there taking goo, is going to have a little bit more energy than I will. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna overtake them at some point unless they keep doing the goo. I'm gonna be able to go right. And I proved that when I did my 100 mile bike ride a few years back without eating anything. I can just go like an energizer bunny um, long slow distance. now hard effort. you burn through all of your your immediate sources of fuel and then your glycogen and you keep going hard. you're gonna need to replenish yeah. Um, the, the fat's going to have a harder time keeping up in a hard effort that's extended. But who does hard efforts extended, except for maybe the CrossFit Open athlete, I mean CrossFit CrossFit um, Games yeah. athletes. Yeah. I could see an argument to where they're doing five workouts a day, really hard efforts. They're burning a lot of calories. Mm-hmm. They may need to have carbs more readily available than I would. Yeah. But, you know, they're pretty specific
0: I'm still trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. I think, it's, I think it's something that I do. I am an advocate for knowing your body and that every single person is different mm-hmm. um, because I've seen people who things affect them that don't affect me and vice versa. But I do know that I feel 100 times better on a more fasted approach on a daily basis eating. And then also... Working
1: out fasted, you mean?
0: Or that? Well, yes, like of course yeah. that, but also like you know consuming my consuming like almost like a, uh, intermittent fasting too, consuming my my food in a you know eight window. eight to ten hour window, yeah. um, and then also taking the, you know any type of those carbs out the complex, you know just more meat based. I mean, honestly, yeah. I just feel better. I will lose some weight. It's going to fall off. So if you're going to be a mass, you know you're worried about your mass, yeah. you're going to lose ten or fifteen pounds if you do it initially because you're shredding off inflammation first and then fat a you lot know. of that's water weight yeah. and fat yeah. yeah and
1: so i haven't noticed that my strength got any yeah any worse yeah to, to a significant degree until i quit
0: lifting my strength has diminished some because my weight has diminished some like yeah. right because so, you like you can only hold up so much if you're you know how depending on yeah. how dense you are but that's the only reason. But it's a lot. You know, I went from two hundred and forty pounds to two hundred and fifteen. So, mass. of course, I'm going to be a little. I,
1: I I realized that while I was actively Olympic lifting more, like three days a week, I was obviously stronger. My snatch was two hundred and five. My clean jerk right. was two sixty five. Now I could maybe snatch one eighty five, one ninety. But I'm not lifting heavy all the time. That's I'm just doing. It. I'm doing the low, the lower weight, higher intensity. And how workout. much do you weigh? one eighty five. Yeah, I mean it's still a great amount I still I'm snatch snatching your, snatching body, weight, your yeah. body
0: weight. I mean that's that's yeah. in itself very good, you know, where it's like I mean I got a um two hundred and seventy five power clean the other day and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. You know, I thought that was great, but also awesome. you can't do that shit every day either. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like that's like you pick and choose like it's like if I can just PR once a month on something, I feel like I'm making slow progress, yeah. right? And now I'm more getting into the, the overhead squat stuff and not pushing up falling forward on my toes and trying to you know trying to I haven't got a muscle up yet. I'm working on, I'm getting there, yeah. you know, and skill work It's still working on some gymnastic stuff, man. It's just, it's a constant battle, but it's always something, there's always something you can get better at. Yeah. And then you can double down on that once you do, you know, it's like, okay, now how do I get, I got this movement down. Now can I get stronger at that movement? You know?
1: Yeah. We reached the end.
0: I mean, no, we're not there yet, but I mean, we can wrap it up, man. We're pretty, we're over an hour now. Um. Yeah. Any last thoughts?
1: No just know your body. <laughs> yeah. And avoid the avoid the processed food stuff. Uh, that's about it. Anything Unless you any, want to start talking about Bitcoin, then I can go on. Man, we'll I, save that I, for I, another that. one
0: because I'm not I'm, I'm not well versed on that yet. I'm, I'm read the seventh w- property. Okay.
1: Listen to the seventh property. It'll, it'll open your eyes. Yeah,
0: we're tiptoeing that. I have I have some friends that are very very hardcore into it.
1: You learn about what money is why humans even have money and what it has been over the centuries and then why our money system is broken now and why it's going to continue to break. And, uh, the seventh property is a great book to explain that. It'll get you, get you in the door.
0: Interesting. I mean, Hey man, I'm always opening. I'm like always open to opening warm wormholes that I'll just yeah, fall down you know,
1: into. and then <laughs> It's a huge, one. A huge we'll, one.
0: We'll wrap it there, man. It's a, it's always a pleasure. I'm glad we got to catch up and, yeah. uh, we'll see you next time, man. Amen. All right. Good you. Yes, sir.